As we um, begin our message this morning, I'm encouraging you to join me in James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse number 11, will be the verse that we will focus upon. We have been in a study of the examination of living faith. And I underscore the word living. Some of you folks haven't had the privilege of being with us in this study. It's quite a study. In that uh, we're talking not about just having faith, but living it. Not just hearers of the word, as James would say, but doers of the word. We are called too much. And this, uh, this chapter is uh, shaking us up on the inside a little bit as we go through the various parts and pieces. And, and this sermon is no different. I know that. I, I saw the notes already. Um, it's like, wow. It, it, it shakes me up just knowing what I've put on this paper. So uh, we're going to talk to the Lord first. Heavenly Father, not only is this book in our hand, your word, you have written it for us to see, to read, to love, to live, to obey, to trust. We thank you for that. But you are also present here today to make us, shape us, conform us to the image of Christ. It's an awesome thing you're doing in our midst. It's an awesome thing that you would desire to love us, that you would choose us, that you would work in us to be like your son. What a privilege we have. What a blessing beyond words. What a, an indescribable thing you have done for us. And as we open up your word today, we study from it, uh, this is no different We are in need of your help, your strength, your provision, your wisdom. All these things, we come to you and say, help, Lord. We're about to study your word, and it's an awesome thing. And we pray your blessing upon it. May we be different people, because we've spent this time with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Living faith. There's a word that goes with this, and I I bring it up every single week, and I'm going to keep strengthening it as we go, because the chapter does as well, and it is the word dependence. It is one that we must learn. Dependence upon our Lord. Dependence. May it turn from just a small word to one that starts with a capital D. And maybe by the time we're in with this series, you'll put all the letters in capital as well where we are called to depend upon Him. It's called reliance as well, and we're going to mention that. But here's the interesting thing about faith. For you to know that it's there, for that you to know how what degree it's at, it has to be tested. How many of us enjoy the test? I've been teaching school for quite a number of years, Greek classes mostly. Uh, not once have I heard a student exclaim, Great! when I said, it's time for a test. (laughs) Most people don't. And nor do we do that when it comes to our faith. 
But it's interesting that James did begin his book that way. You're in chapter 5, but to move back a couple of chapters and see it in chapter 1, it's not that far. Verse number 2, he said, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that, look at this, the testing of your faith produces endurance. That's a key word for this chapter 5, to endure, to stay where you are and trust Him. Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Do you like verse number 4? Do you want to be what verse number 4 is describing? I hope so. I hope you're saying, yes, that's what I want to be. I want to be what he's designed me to be. I don't want to be lacking anything in his plan. Well, you still have to walk down the testing route. Because that's what produces the endurance. Now, James said that, and you say, okay, James, um, you must be a unique individual. And then Peter goes and says it too. There's a lot of unique individuals in Scripture. In Second Peter chapter number 1, verse 6 and 7. No. Not second. First Peter. Am I looking at it right? First Peter chapter 1. That's it. First Peter chapter 1, 6 and 7. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There comes a day when we stand before him. You look forward to that? A day of praise? A day of glory? A day of honor? I think we're going to be giving him a lot of that. Notice what Peter said about this. This test that you go through prepares you for that day when you praise Him. It has its value. It has its value. I set you up with these words this morning because now you're hesitant to hear the rest of the sermon. But when we talk about living faith, understand it must be tested for it to grow, for it to bring its results that we have all agreed we want, this is the road. This is the road. There's much for us to learn in this chapter, to unpack the text as we will, to peel back the layers as we look. I'm not making any of this up. It's right here in God's Word. I'm not trying to be sensational. I'm not trying to be clever. I'm just showing you what the context says and the points of application to us today. When we desire a faith that is living. James gives us instructions, and we've already been through this, and the people who are here every week can tell you exactly what I'm going to ask of them, because there are four commands he gives to them they are to do. The first one is what? Be patient. Oh, yes, 
Be patient. Verse number 7. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The second one is what? Be patient. Verse number 8. You too be patient. Why does he have to say it twice? Uh, Number 3. Strengthen your heart. Verse number 8. Be patient, be patient. Strengthen your heart for the coming of the Lord is near. Verse number 9 is number 4. Don't complain. Stop it, is what it literally says. Stop complaining. Don't do it. Those are essential things, but they're not easy, are they? When you're in the midst of a trial, faith doesn't seem, it doesn't seem easily come by. Challenges are tough. Sometimes we think that our faith is shown by what we do. And I would say from these commands, some of it is by what you don't do. Be patient. Sometimes that means just wait. Easy? No. Wait. He says, wait. Endure. Stop complaining. Strengthen your heart. These things James has told us because his readers knew it. He's writing to a group of people who were in a situation of injustice. There's a lot to the context, and I'm not going to go through the whole scenario for you. But besides physical things, very dramatic things that they were facing just because of injustice, there was also a spiritual persecution. It's because they were righteous, they were being treated that way. And James says, I know it's tough. It's a tough world to live in. It's tough to be a Christian in our world. It wasn't James' day. And I think it's becoming that way in our day too. It's not easy to stand up for the things of Christ when so many voices are against you. And James' readers would have heard that and understood that. So he said in verse 7, Be patient, brother. The coming of the Lord is near. He kept saying that. Be patient. Be patient. Strengthen your heart. Do not complain. Then in verse number 10, on to where we are in verse number 11. As an example, brothers, suffering and patient, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Recount those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. We are called to rely upon God. That's a simple statement to say. But it's what we're to do. We are to rely upon God. Completely. Wholly. That's called living faith. We are to produce good works. James would tell us that. We are to produce self-control. And its character changes. Having strong hearts, not complaining. Those things are true too. But we are told to rely upon God. I'm going to put one word after that. Regardless. That's the harder word. Regardless. In this context, that was the prophet. That was Job. 
to rely upon God regardless. That's why they're set before you as an example. Their lives were not easy lives. You've got their record, don't you? You ever read the book of Job? You feel real encouraged in the middle of it? Probably not. Most people hesitate to read the whole book in one sitting. Well, it's 42 chapters. You say, that's a long time to sit. But boy, it's downhill most of the way, it seems. It's a tough one. Because they're trying to figure out why. And God never answers why in that book. Never once did he tell them why this has happened to Job. So they figured they'd make up their own reasons for it. They were wrong. But when James pulls that out here, he says, that's an example of somebody who had to depend upon the Lord. He didn't have the answers. The prophets didn't have the answers. But they had to trust the Lord. They are examples to us. Examples to them. That we should do that. Produce good works? Yes. Have self-control? Yes. Rely upon God? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think you'd change sandals with them. But I would, I would be willing to say this, that in the uniqueness of your own life, in the situations of your own life, you need to depend upon Him too. To the same degree. That's what we're called to. We're called to do that. So, that's just background, folks. That just sets you up for the verse that we have in front of us here. Verse number 11. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job, have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. I've been saying this statement every single week now for several weeks. The measure we know Him is related to the measure we trust Him. The focus of our faith is Jesus Christ. Notice in verse number 11 how it came down to Him, our Lord. We have the testimony of so many, and we could pull them up in Scripture all over the place, of those who were patient, those who endured, those who, who, who had self-control in their actions, they guarded their hearts, those who... Uh, did what we're told to do here. Trust Him. We have example after example. Hebrews chapter 11 is full of them. But the testimony of our Lord is what we need to see. And that's in verse number 11. The second part. You have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion, and is merciful. I taught you folks two words last week. Test time. First one. Immutable. Immutable. And what did immutable mean? Does not change. That is a characteristic of our Lord. A very important characteristic of our Lord. We must understand that He said... I do not change. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. The fact that He is loving is always 
true. It never diminishes. <laughs> There's no little dip in the percentage of his love for you. Because he does not change. His kindness to you is always the same. His mercy to you is always the same. Immutable is a very important word for us. Because if we walk by circumstances, we will be on a roller coaster. If we walk by faith, then we've got our eyes set on the one who never changes. That will change your outlook of everything. I guarantee it. Immutable is important. So, hang on to that word and tell me the second one. Inscrutable. Isn't that a great word? I almost have to ask you to spell it too, but that's okay. What does that mean? He can't be understood. He said, now wait a minute, you're going totally against your sermon now. Because to the degree that you know him, is the degree that you're going to trust him, right? But to know him is to know that he is greater than you. He thinks greater than you. He knows more than you. He's planned much of this on his wisdom. Certainly not on mine. And sometimes I just don't understand but does that diminish my faith? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. I kind of like the fact that my God is that great. I especially like the fact that He knows more than me. So I can rest in that. You see, it's a place of rest. That's what faith is about, too. I could rest in the fact that though He never changes, I may not understand all this. I may not understand all this. He's immutable. Now, those are the words I taught you last week so I could give you this message this week. Alright? Verse number 11 says, You have heard of the endurance of Job. You've heard of it. Let's not act like we're surprised. You've heard it before, haven't you? Somebody's explained Job to you at least once, right? Go ahead. Somebody say no. And guess what the next series is? <laughs> You've heard of Job. It's right there in the book. You can read it if you want to. You've heard. You have seen. You have seen what? I, no, you didn't see Job. You've seen how the Lord deals. How the Lord works. How the Lord finishes. You read Job's life and it comes to a place where it's wrapped up at the end, doesn't it? You've seen that, haven't you? Not just in Job's life, but in lots of people. You have seen the Lord's at work. You have seen the changes made. You've seen the testimony of a life lived for God, haven't you? You've seen it. You've seen it. Let's not act as though that's new information either. In this series, you have heard these things. In life, you have seen these things. Why have you heard and why have you seen? You ready for this? The Lord has been very compassionate and merciful. You have heard that. 
You have seen that. We have seen the evidence. We have seen the end of what he has done in many, many, many situations. You have seen his compassion. You have heard his compassion. You have seen his mercy. You have heard of his mercy. The testimony of one's life. I love reading biographies for that very reason. When I read the biography, I'm looking for the, what is the relationship with the Lord? How does it change from the beginning to the end? Is there a growth in there? Does it, you know, many times they're looking for the big event in their life, this great thing they did and stuff. I always look for their character and what do they think of the Lord? And how did he change them? And how did they live in light of that? That always excites me in biographies. When I look at people's life, that's what excites me when I see in their life. There's lots of events of life, but it's great to see somebody who loves the Lord. The testimony of a life lived for Him, that's a beautiful thing. We have that testimony before us today, do we not? When you think of our brother James. Job. You ready for this? I'm serious. You've got to put on a seatbelt right now. Job was a testimony of the Lord's compassion and mercy. And you say, yeah, at the end. No. Every single day. Wait a minute. All right, I told you to put on your seatbelt. When he lost his crops, the Lord was compassionate and merciful. When he lost his servants, the Lord was compassionate and merciful. When he lost his animals, there were several raids. The Lord was compassionate and merciful. So far you're saying, okay. When he lost his children, oh, He's no longer that, right? He's mutable, isn't he? He changed. No. I told you, hang on. When Job lost his children, the wind came, tore down the house they were in, and killed all of them. The testimony is, folks, the Lord is compassionate. And full of mercy. And you're saying how? <laughs> how do you put those things together? We always think, oh, but later he got his crop back. Later he got his animals. Did he ever get his children back? Not those. The Lord gave him others. Did you ever lose a child? Ouch. Is compassion and mercy the first two thoughts in our mind? No. But I gave you two words to memorize. Because I knew this was necessary today. The Lord is immutable. He does not change. Ever. It's not the circumstance that defines Him. This is His character. And the text is saying it right before your eyes. That's what Job tells us the Lord was compassionate 
and merciful. Every prophet would say that too. Because the Lord does not change. He's inscrutable. (laughs) That's the place we don't understand. But can we trust Him nevertheless? Regardless. Folks, I know this. I know this. You can trust Him with tears coming down your face. He's cried too. You can trust Him when you don't know what tomorrow might bring. When it's all darkness out there. When it seems like you're being crushed under the weight. Ask one of the psalmists that question. And they'll come to the same answer every single time. The Lord is good. He's compassionate. He's merciful. So, okay. Now, pastor, prove it. Prove it. Read verse 11 carefully with me. Here it goes. Watch the words as I read it. We count those blessed who endured. What are they enduring? Something terrible. You have heard of the endurance of Job. Something terrible. You have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealing. That, and he's going to define what that dealing is. That the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Now either we believe God's word or we don't. Doesn't it say that? Even in the midst of all this? I, I, I honestly can tell you, I, I can't fully understand all that it is to faith. I cannot fully understand it all. I'm not a fatalist. Alright? I trust my Lord. That's what He's told me to do. That's what trust is. It's what you can't see. (laughs) But you still go forward. There was a man by the name of Robert Murray McChaney. Scottish preacher. Many, many, many years ago. Lived to be 29 years old. Had a heart bigger than anything that you probably have ever seen. Of his desire to love the Lord and to serve Him. And the Lord chose to let this man be a sickly man. At the age of 29, his health broke and he died. And you'd say, wow! But Lord, he had so much potential, so much love for you, so much desire to serve you! The Lord says, no, this is my plan. Because Robert Murray McChaney wrote words that somebody else needs to read what it's like to go through these days and still trust their Lord. Ready for him? I'm going to read you just two little paragraphs from some of his words. And maybe you would like to get the book someday. It's called Comfort in Sorrow. Suffering brings out graces that cannot be seen in the time of health. It is the treading of the grapes that bring out the sweet juices of the vine. So it is the affliction that draws forth submission, weanedness from the world, and complete rest in God. Use afflictions while you have them. The average person says, if I've got afflictions, I'm looking for the exit. (laughs) I'm getting out of there. Use afflictions while you have them. He says this, you will never find Jesus so precious, 
So when the world is one vast howling wilderness, then he is like a rose blooming in the midst of the desolation, a rock rising above the storm. Do not set your hearts on any of the flowers of the world. They will fade and die. Prize the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. Jesus never changes. Live nearer to Christ than any other person on this earth, so that when they are taken away, you may have him to love and lean upon. Yes, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend. We think that tragedies are outside the scope of God's compassion. We think that way. We think that death is outside of his mercy. We think that way. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. Have you ever wrestled with that and said, how could that be? How could it be precious? How could we say that today? One of his saints, when they leave this earth, they go to be with him. Isn't that what he wants? Isn't that what God wants? <laughs> Do you know God wants you there too? He longs for that time when you're with him. That's precious to him. <laughs> we have the wrong set of glasses on today, don't we? When we start to think that things like this is outside of his realm outside of his sovereignty, outside of his compassion, outside of his mercy. You see, his compassion never fails, because he's always the same. His mercy never fails, because he's always the same. Always the same. Here's what he said in Psalm 103. That's a precious psalm to learn. But 103, I'm going to read you a couple of verses, 13 through 17. Just as the Father has compassion on His children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He Himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. You know how He knows that? He made you out of dust. <laughs> Isn't that what He did when He came down to this earth so many years ago and scooped it up and formed a man named Adam? We believe that. Because God said so. He knows what you're made of. Don't try to impress him with something else. All right? You get all worked up, you start to sweat, now you're mud. <laughs> That's real impressive. He knows your dust. He knows your dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As the flower of the field, he flourishes. Yes, the wind passes over it. It's no more. The place acknowledges it no longer. But, listen to this. But, in the midst of all that, but the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children. We often see these two words together, compassion and mercy, don't we? Lots of times you see it in Scripture, compassion and mercy. You might have loving kindness or another word in that mix. But we see them together like they're some sort of uh, devoted sisters, and they're beautiful to see in companion that way. But here's something interesting that you might find interesting, I hope. Verse number 11 here in James, this word compassion, the Greek word for that word is the only time it's in all of Scripture 
is in this verse. You say, really? Okay. Well, it's, it's a unique word. James uses it in uh, polus blanknox. You like that? What's that? Poly is the first word, poly. We use poly for a lot of things, right? You know what that means. Many, much, many layered, who knows. Poly, and the second word is the word for intestines. Isn't that sweet? Many intestines. What is that? That was where they felt things in the Greek culture. Oh, we do too. Worry enough and see how your stomach feels. We feel it. You know, it's the only place not protected by a rib cage. It's right here. That's how they felt things. That's how they, they loved. That's how they pitied. That's how they cared. Valentine's Day is coming up. Unique card. I love you with my intestines. <laughs> it's not going to sell. <laughs> but to them, that's where you like, felt it. And this is unique because it's only used of the Lord in this sense. And it's not just the simple thing that everybody feels, but it's multiplied over and over and over in intensity by that little word poly in front of it. He didn't want the Lord to be compared to anybody else, but he's unique when it comes to compassion. He is unique. And it's a deep, felt response to what you're going through. You pretty much say this, because the world does anyway. And I'm saying you generally, maybe not you particularly. Where's God? The pain comes along. Where's God? The trouble starts. Where's God? The tragedy happens. Where's God? He feels it far more than you think. <laughs> That's this word. Oh yes, he knows. He knows. He feels. That's a powerful word. Extremely compassionate. Very compassionate. That's the first word. The second word is mercy. And you say, well, mercy. I've seen mercy a whole lot. There's that word mercy. You know this word mercy, James says? It's used only twice in Scripture. <laughs> it's also a unique word. There's a lot of other mercies. This was a unique word for mercy. This time, this word is more than just understanding with sympathy, but it's actually being called out to do something. You see, there are people who feel sorry for you. They see what you're going through and they say, oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Not many of them step in and do something about it. But that's the combination of the words you see in front of you. The Lord not only is full of compassion, but He is merciful. He is the one who can do something about it too. And that's what the testimony is here. He does something about it. He does something about it. Here's one of my favorite stories about this. It comes from Matthew chapter 20. The last couple of verses, and it's like Matthew put this in there, and, and it's easy to pass by because of all the other events around it. But it says that in verse number 29, they were leaving Jericho. Jesus and a large crowd was with him, and they were following him. This is his last time down that road. Last time down the road from Jericho. And as he's walking by, there's two blind men there. You want to talk about hopeless. 
When you lose your eyesight, there's no transplant to fix it. When it's gone, it's gone. These people were blind. There was no hope ever of seeing. Understand that? Two blind men there. That's what makes the story absolutely remarkable. Listen to this. Listen to their words. They were sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by. And they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd told them to be quiet. Stop. Leave him alone. You're blind. Nothing can help you. Leave him alone. So they said, let's cry out louder. Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped. He stopped. And he called them. I'm trying to picture it. It's got to be a Hollywood thing. Stands in the road. They're on the side of the road. He says, come over here. Can you see that? They're blind. He says, come over here. Did somebody go over and grab them by the hand and lead them along? Did Jesus say, yep, nope, little to your left. Keep coming. Watch that little kid. Go around him. Did he guide him his way? He said, come to me. Come to me. Why didn't he walk right up to where they were sitting? He said, come to me. They did. He says, they come to him. And then he says this. What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. Have you ever asked the Lord for the impossible? No, we don't do that in conservative circles. Why? Is God good at impossibilities? Who made the eye? He did. They said, we want to see. Could you hear the rest of the crowd respond to that? Uh, no. They're crazy. You can hear it, can't you? whole bunch of people responding to impossible, no way, forget it, can't be done. No. Lord, we want to see. That, folks, is faith. <laughs> That's incredible faith to ask that question. It says in the very next verse, moved with compassion. Notice both words are right there, even though they're not used in that sentence. There's the pity he sees their need, but there's the moving to do something about it. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. And immediately, they regained their sight. (laughs) Would you have loved to have been there? Wow! Did you hear it? Did you see it? It says they regained their sight. They had their sight, and they followed him. (laughs) I love that little story. It sounds so simple, and yet when you stop and pull it apart and see the pieces, this is what J.C. Ryle said about it in his commentary. Such faith may well put us to shame. 
he says, with all our books of evidence and the lives of saints and the libraries of divinities, how few know anything of simple childlike confidence in Christ's mercy and Christ's power. That even among those who are believers, the degree of faith is often strangely disproportionate to the privileges enjoyed. You know what that means? Sometimes we get so big in our boots, in our theology and in our Bible study and all the other things, we forget that it comes down to faith. We forget that it's simply trusting. He says, how many, an unlearned man who could only read his New Testament with difficulty, possess the spirit of unhesitating trust in Christ, while these deeply read divines are harassed by questions and doubts. They who, humanly speaking, ought to be first are often last. And those who are last are often first. The fact is, even if Jesus did not heal them, he still would have been full of compassion and merciful. Because that's him. And if he had not healed them that day, that would have been a reason... For God's glory. And I don't understand that. Neither would you. (laughs) There were a lot of blind people. That never got healed by Jesus. There were a lot of lepers. That never got cured by Jesus. There were a lot of lame. That never walked. Because Jesus didn't give them strength to do it. That is not. Because he is lacking. Compassion. Or that he is lacking mercy. Am I starting to paint a picture for us? Because here it is. When we study living faith, it's not about our situation. It's not about our circumstances. It's not simply that the Lord can see us when we're in a bad spot and understand that. But He is actively extending mercy to us every single moment. He never stops. He never stops. He never will. He's always merciful. Even if you don't understand it, He is. That's our Lord. Because the description of Him is that He is full of compassion. You like that word, is? Two little letters with a lot of clout. He is full of compassion. Let's start changing our thinking. Here's what I'm going to suggest. Rather than look at the circumstance and try to figure out if he loves you. Let's start with, he loves me. And then try to figure out the circumstance. Which one is going to drive your faith? Where is it focused today? This is what we're learning in this book. This is not easy, is it? I told you, be ready for it. This is not easy stuff. But that's why I said, it's all about dependence. You are depending upon the God who never changes, even though you don't understand Him. You're depending on Him. That's living faith. How's the test going? How are you doing? You know what the rest of the chapter deals with? Prayer. Is that a surprise? Wow, we've got a lot more to go. 
I just pray that the Lord will apply this to our hearts. We've got a life to live this week, don't we? We've got a life to live. Let's live it for our Lord. Let's live it by faith in Him. Let's go unwavering in our steps, knowing who He is, and that He does not change, and that He may not be understood, and who knows if we'll ever get the answers to those things. But we can trust Him still, regardless, right? Heavenly Father, we've got so much to learn here. And we ask that you help us. Please, Lord, when it comes to faith, these are your things. Help us to live it out. Depend upon you as we should. We pray this today, that you might apply it to us and every single one of us, deep, deep, deep within our hearts. That we are absolutely convinced that you are trustworthy. Pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen.